he harore rangitahi. A mushroom only lasts for one day. E nei mi o te motu nau mai hare mai ano ki te nei hotaka te hika ko Maria Rakraku aho. I'm Maria Rakraku, and I'm Justin Murray, and welcome to Te Ahika on Radio New Zealand National. Coming up this week, Dennis O'Reilly is a lifetime member of the Black Power Gang and reformed drug user. Now a drug counsellor, he's got ideas about how to eliminate methamphetamine from our communities. But what's the attraction? Why are we taking to it so eagerly? Uh, and it certainly does make people feel very confident and all that. So if you uh, long-term unemployed, uh, feel like a bit of a loser socially, uh, suddenly this can seem you can, there can be money involved in the short term and you feel damn good about yourself. So all of those things that you would expect to see in, um, in ghettoised societies uh, where people are seen to be the losers, uh, you know, this can seem to be like a short-term antidote. Of course, it's, a, it's illusory, you know, and, and all you're doing is just shackling yourself even more. It's a staple of the Kiwi diet, the humble riwai. All potato, its nutritional values, the focus of a research project in Palmerston North. Once the taiwai have been harvested, um, I would take the fresh potato and um, chop them up um, and then um, put them into a freeze dryer, which basically takes all the moisture out of them. Um, and then they will ground up, um, like in a coffee grinder, for example, and end up with... Um, these um, samples of tyre which look like powder, um, cornflour type things. And so then um, small samples of those are taken and different reactions are measured to see, for example, what kind of minerals are there, how much carbohydrate, how much fat and protein. Um, so we do a whole screen of um, analysis to see what, what are actually in there. How would you like it if something you said when you were at secondary school turned up on the radio 18 years later? Well, that's the case with the winners of the English section, Te Kore Mako, from the 1993 annual Māori Manu or speech competitions. And here's a clue. They both host programmes on Māori television today. Who could they be? We'll find out soon. We've also got tracks from the latest Little Bushman album, He Oranga, through tonight's edition of Te Ahika. Nā reira e tiwi, koira nā kaupapa Māori, mō te haura e haere ake nei. That's what's coming up in the next hour whānau mā, so stay tuned to Radio New Zealand National. You're listening to Te Ahika, Radio National. Ko te mea tuatahi. According to Mani Hapata, Mani Adams, we heard from him last week, and this week's guest, Dennis O'Reilly, methamphetamine use is a big problem in this country. It's something he wants to change. I met him after his meeting with Ngāti Kahunanuki Wairarapa in Masterton a few months ago. Kia ora, my name is Dennis O'Reilly. Now, Dennis, I've just heard you deliver a kōrero to a group of people here in Wairarapa about a possible kahununu strategy to free the iwi of methamphetamine. Yep. Yep. Now, I kind of felt like I was getting sold something. Well, wasn't meaning to sell anything, meaning to open up, a, first of all, a dialogue, and the key message was that we can beat this particular substance, right? 
And then, like any community development thing, people solve the thing themselves in their own backyard. So this was just trying to uh, give a, a, a message based, first of all, on our own experience, and then secondly, on our own research, and in particular, uh, dialogue with Ngāti Kahununi practitioners, you know, who said, well, let's stop framing this as a pathology, um, you know, pee-free, smoke-free or whatever, and let's become all that we can be, tāni purutu, wahini purutu, you know. But then within that, there are some obvious tactics. If it's pouring in with rain, you better figure out how to get dry. And so at that, at that level, um, we could try and help resolve the issue at a community level um, and give people space. So this was on about an encouragement. We don't have any magical solution, but do believe that there is a solution and that that solution sits right here. What are the names that methamphetamine are known by? I know it by P. P, crack, ice, kiwi ice, you know, you know, yaba, all sorts of uh, crank, uh, all sorts of uh, different names. But really, it's just methamphetamine, which is why I'm trying to less call it P and more call it methamphetamine because that's the chemical that we're actually dealing with. And what sort of impact is it having on, upon Māori communities? Um, the research tells us that um, this, uh, there is a disproportionate number of New Zealand's methamphetamine users are Māori, disproportionate to the now number of Māori. why is that? Do we have an addictive gene? I don't know about genetics. I'm Irish, and uh, we all tend to get pissed. So, um, uh, you know, they talk about the Irish gene. I, look, it's it's our behaviours. Uh, in the short term, methamphetamine uh, is a very enjoyable substance to use uh, in the short term, uh, but it has all these consequences with it. And um, many, the, there's no, you know, the people who get... Um, charged at our borders with bringing it into the country, well, there are no treaty claimants there. You know, it's coming in from Asia, uh, and our people tend to be well down the distribution line and are pretty much the, the donkeys and carriers at the, at the, you know, well down the distribution chain. Um, and often um, their use, their distribution and their involvement in the industry uh, has to do with their own addictions. So is it just a step step on right. from so deck? From well, it's a different thing to marijuana, uh, and it certainly does make people feel very confident and all that. So if you are long-term unemployed, uh, feel like a bit of a loser socially, uh, suddenly this can seem you can there can be money involved in the short term and you feel damn good about yourself. So all of those things that you would expect to see in, um, in ghettoised societies uh, where people are seen to be the losers, uh, you know, this can seem to be like a short-term antidote. Of course, it's a, it's illusory, you know, and, and all you're doing is just shackling yourself even more. Is it an outcome of socio-economic circumstance? Uh, well, that you, you could argue that, but then how would you explain... Um, the rich people, you know, and, 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 you know, Paul Holmes has been very frank about Millie and all that sort of stuff. Well, you couldn't come from a more economically advantaged household, you know. So it, it isn't quite as simple as that. Behind the sort of, 
you know, chintz curtains of Remuera and the big drapes and that, there are, uh, there's lots going on, you know. So um, I don't, I don't think we can just say a simple, it's a simple thing like this. It, it, it's across all sectors of New Zealand society, but Māori um, tend to get into that demonised um, uh, crew. The Māori uh, gangs especially uh, you know, are alleged to be um, you know, the key distributors, uh, and there's some evidence of some people doing that, but that doesn't explain how the hell it's getting from China to here. And that's got more to do with free trade and, and free trade acting as a vector for the substance, you know. So um, we just need to take a breather, I think, step back, getting less judgmental, getting a lot more pragmatic, seeing it as a health issue and organising at a community level. What about theories in the States that at different periods of their history, drugs were actively introduced into their more vulnerable, poorer communities? I don't ascribe to those conspiracy theories. Um, I think you can construct an argument that may seem rational around that. Um, I was in Jamaica in 1977 um, when the CIA were definitely active in, in swapping guns for gunja and destabilising Jamaica in that way and it's very interesting that Dudas Coke, you know, all this terrible thing that they've had there in the last couple of years uh, and, and there are some paradoxes in that but I no, I don't think we're being besieged by some international conspiracy or whatever I think this has to do with the predisposition of New Zealanders to go on binges uh, and, and our uh, enjoyment of, of, of a party style lifestyle and um, it's just something we're going to have to handle you know and I think it is a substance that we can rally against and that people can say we will give this particular one a miss. We need to very much rethink our attitude towards illicit substances. I think there's a bigger dialogue that needs to happen there and I think the New Zealand Drug Foundation have, have been very, very clear about that. But I have not I've heard people put up arguments for marijuana and I've heard people put up arguments for alcohol and all that sort of stuff. I have not heard anyone put up a positive argument for methamphetamine. What made you give it a miss? Um, my family. Uh, my family. A couple of people who were sitting here in the hui were asking you and Money Edwards about how you came clean. And you gave examples of, you know, it was your whānau for money, it was his kids being embarrassed. And what I could see from that is that it's like it's an individual thing. You have to come to it at, at your own pace, at your own time. And therefore, how effective is a strategy well, if it's targeted towards an iwi? Uh, well, no, it's, it's, it's both individual and collective. And, and what we're trying to do... Um, I, you know, one of the fantastic things, for instance, about the work that Roy Dunn and, and Edge Tafaiti from the Mungrel Mob do is they give permission for other mobsters to actually say, I want to get off meth. You know, there's the, because, because... So they create a space They create where a space, and, and you create an environment where you all start to come to the same conclusion that, hey, you know, this particular substance is causing us disproportionate harm, you know? And so 
you know, as I say, you're not going on about all substances and whatever. We're, we're just really identifying that, you know, this particular substance. And I know there are good arguments that could be, you could have a big debate about all, all drugs and alcohol and the whole nine yards and we could be here forever, you know. But this particular one, I think we can rally against and I think New Zealanders are rallying against it. And the answer is partly to do with supply reduction, but more to do with demand reduction and therefore giving people a rationale as, as to why they themselves should self-prohibit. Yeah, because it's not like it's a $20 tinny. It's not like it's a $20 tinny. And, and, um, and, and you can't grow it. Uh, and, uh, and once you've once, you know, got an addiction... Um, you know, that cash thing really starts to multiply because, um, you know, you become used to it and you have to take increasing amounts. Dennis, so the behaviours when somebody's tripping, are they always so extreme? You gave a couple of examples in there of a mate of yours and what happened to him, and it's like, you know, that's extreme. No, no, they're not always extreme. In fact, it can be a very functional drug. And the barman serving you, the truck Your driver, truck driver going past, uh, as you heard, the nurse, um, you know, um, uh, you know. So, <laughs> no, it's a very functional drug, and people can be doing a damn good job while they're doing it. I mean, it is a drug of war, um, and and soldiers are deliberately given it in, in times of war. You know, so I mean, this is not a, um, um, but. Uh, if you don't know the volumes that you're using and then you don't know what the quality is and all that sort of stuff, uh, these all become confounding factors. And another thing I was um, getting from our hui was that people have to come to their own conclusions when they're ready to get off it. Yep. You. I mean, realistically, does it happen? Yes, yes, because the downside, you cannot muck around with your brain chemicals uh, in the way that this particular substance muck away, mucks around with them. Um, I tell my friends, look, it's either a slow fuse or a fast fuse, but the whatever, the bomb will go off regardless. And you can't deplete your serotonin without hitting a very, very heavy low and all that sort of stuff. And so the consequences of methamphetamine use are well recorded uh, and inevitable. And anyone who is kidding themselves that it's not impacting upon them is in denial. Dennis O'Reilly, do you believe that it's beatable? Yes, I do. Yes, I, I, I think not only is it beatable, I think we are beating it. Dennis O'Reilly with Mariah talking about his mahi and trying to rid our communities of pee. If you head to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika, we've got more information about him and photos in our photo gallery. Tēnei te mihi kia koutou katoa, I'm Mariah Rakraki. And I'm Justine Murray and this is Teahika on Radio New Zealand National. Despite their name, Māori potatoes aren't indigenous to Aotearoa. But they sure are delicious. Nothing like biting into a beautifully coloured peru-peru and having purple stains on your teeth to prove it. So if they taste great, what about their value as food? How does the potato stack up nutritionally? Justine travelled to Massey University in Palmerston North to find out, where she met Zusha Faremate and Nick, the potato man Roskridge. That's how he's known in Māori circles. 
Kia ora, um, ko Zisha Wharimatia hau, um, no Tauranga, um, ko Ngati Ranganui Taku Iwi, um, ko um, Pufrinua Taku Maunga, ko Ngai Tamara Awaho Taku Hapu. Kia ora, kia ora Zisha. And I'm also here with uh, Nick uh, Roskridge. Kia ora, Nick. Nga tēnā koe. O ko Nick Roskridge ki au, uh, no Tarana ki whānui uh, Papa Kainga. Ko te atina, te atiawa nui tonu ki tarana ki te iwi tuatai, me um, Ngāti Prau nei. Um, Padi e ko te kairanga hau uh, i tēnei wharewānanga. So, um, kia ora anō. Kia ora, kia ora kūrua. Nick, I suppose we could start with you for our, our, our kōrero today. Uh, are you known as, as the, the potato spud rewai man? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but I don't know, but there seems to be a focus on the, the tyre or the potatoes. Um, having said that, we work with a lot of crops, so it just happens to be that that's the one that the, the publicity goes out with. So mm. I, And I suppose it kind of helps to, to, to highlight, I suppose, what, what you do. Well, yeah, and, and it's positive sort of mahi, so... so why stop, you know, if, if it's something that people want to see and hear about, then Kei so that's that's sort of how it gets on. But I think, yeah, pe- people do probably think that the tai or the potatoes is, is our sole mahi, and, and for the best part, it's, it's, a, it's a fair bit of what I do. But here, mostly I'm a, I'm a lecturer and a teacher in horticulture. Um, Zusha and I were just talking briefly, um, Nick, about that, that word taiwa, and it's not I'm not familiar with the kupi, I'm, I'm familiar with rewai. Where does the word uh, originate from? Well, taiwa is, um, so there's several terms for for Māori potatoes anyway, but taiwa is the term that's used on the west coast, so from Taranaki right down through to Wellington and the South Island. So that's the kupi for, for Māori potatoes, as against the introduced potatoes, which is rewai. So they, they differentiate. One is nice and smooth and what you buy in the shops now, that's rewai. But the Māori potatoes are the sort of knoblier, lots of eyes, the old-fashioned ones. But of course on the east coast they call them pararika, and you know, up north is peru-peru, and there's some different dialects. But really Taiwa, for where I come from, certainly from, from sort of Taranaki, right through the South Island, that's the term they use. The origin is said to be Taiwa for us, and Taranaki means the flu. So the origin is that these things have probably come on the same boats that brought the flu. You know, really? So, um, so with those early contacts, you know, where these diseases were, were brought in, so, so the connection is thought to be, you know, that association to how they arrived. So if I can look in, in, a, in another area, so rewai is more your mass-produced pro- potato that we all mash for tea at 6 o'clock, and, and, and thai was Māori potato. Aye, aye, mm. that's right. And they are actually quite different plants. How so? Like. Um, depending on how your botanical sort of understanding, but they're different species of potatoes. The Taiwa originate from the Andes, you know, so Peru and, and Bolivia. The Riwai come from the south of Chile, so all your modern potatoes originate from the colder sort of climate like this country in the south of Chile. So they're actually two different species of plants. And so is the peru peru or the taiwa easily grown in the New Zealand climate? And it has been for years, I would imagine. Yeah, and the ones we grow now have probably adapted to, to our situation. But, they, yeah, they, they come from altitude so that they can handle the difference in temperatures. 
but the origin is, is sort of high up in the Andes, you know, the same height as Mount Cook. So, um, so that's their origins. And what happens is they select themselves so the strongest ones survive in their new environment. So, so you have the ones that suit this environment over time. Um, if I could bring you into this Kōrero Zusha, um, what, what is your mahi here at Messi? Um, at the moment I'm doing a PhD in nutritional science and my mahi for this PhD research is to look at what nutrients we have in the, in the Māori taiwa and we looked at four cultivars specifically but it's to compare oh, what's in these and how do they compare with what we eat in the supermarket um, what ways can we prepare them to make them more nutritionally beneficial um, also uh, how people like to eat them and what are the popular ways and so it's just trying to combine that nutritional information with how people eat them and then hopefully in the end um, suggesting ways that people might eat them better for better health. So I'm, I'm sort of having images of you in a science lab with a white coat injecting or extracting yes, spuds. Yes, me for a number of years, unfortunately. How yep, many years? A lab rat. <laughs> I don't really want to go into that, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, pai. Um, probably about three years, part-time work, a lot of it lab analysis type things. So yes, with the lab coat and the and safety glasses and the and the pipettas and things like that. But um, but this part has been more uh, enjoyable for me actually talking with people and seeing what what they like to do and how they like to eat things. And so that's more me. I'm more of a people person than a than a lab rat. But um, yeah. Yeah. Talking about people, you would have had to collect taiwa from, from, from gardens, from people who grow Māori potatoes? Um, thankfully to um, Nick over here, they um, have been growing crops um, over the road for a number of years and so through the um, Māori Growers Association, which is Tahuri Whenua, they have provided me with the crops that I've needed when I've needed it. So yeah. much thanks to them. So Nick, can we talk about the growing? So you're also the chairman of the Māori Growers Association. Aye, the Huen was, and it's been 2003, I think, when I think about it, when it was started, and that was started around these projects, because the growers that were interacting with us with the projects wanted to create something that was more um, permanent, so that they could, you know, have a um, connection that lasted, outlasted the research, if you like. So, um, so yeah, since 2003, and there's about 300 growers or just interested people up and down the country that um, sort of participate. Most of them Māori? Or 98% sort of, but some of them are schools and marae and all that, but, but most of them, and there's kaumātukuia that, that are there because they want to share what they know and experience and all of that. So it's across the board, it's not just growers, but it's people with an interest in Māori horticulture, if you like. Um, but it's not and never will be sort of exclusive around Taiwa or, or even just around Māori landowners. It'll, it'll be an opportunity for people to network and interact and participate in hui, and that's sort of what we do. Um, and as Zush says, every year we have crops um, here, but also some repeat trials around the country to make sure we can save the seed. And we provide material for projects and for people that want to, school projects, you know, spud in the bucket with some of the kura and we're just sort of... What's spud in the bucket? It's a project we just had for the last three or four years where um, 
the children grow a spud in a bucket. Effectively, we provide the seed and, and a handout to tell them how to do it, and they do it, and then they have a maybe a competition to see who can do, get the most or the heaviest and all that sort of thing. And that happens over the summer, so some of them will take those plants home. But most of the kura, I mean, certainly up the east coast, all of those kura were doing it, and um, we're sort of looking now at extending that through the Kohangareo sort of network to um, to all of their situations, but it won't just be spuds in their case, it'll be the wider mara. So um, so that we talked so that was the, the, the growing aspect and harvesting aspect of, of Daiwa. And so when that happens, Zusha, um, what do you do in terms of getting the nutrients? Okay, so extracting. Is that the, is that the right word? <laughs> extracting yes, extracting is probably a good word. Okay, so um, once the Taiwa have been harvested, um, I would take the fresh potato and um, chop them up um, and then um, put them into a freeze dryer, which basically takes all the moisture out of them. Um, and then they will ground up, um, like in a coffee grinder, for example, and end up with um, these um, samples of tyre, which look like powder, um, cornflower-type things. And so then um, small samples of those are taken and different reactions are measured to see, for example, what kind of minerals are there, how much carbohydrate, how much fat and protein... Um, so we do a whole screen of um, analysis to see what what they're actually in there. So in front of us, um, Zusha's got about four plastic bags, and um, they're like the size of an A4 paper. And inside these plastic bags, so the peru peru is this gorgeous purple, just yes. like the peru peru. Yep. Some Taiwa. people call it peru peru. Some call tukai tutaikuri urenik. It has a number of names actually around the country, but yeah, it's this gorgeous. Purple colour, it's um, purple fleshed, purple skinned variety, and um, people are, are hooking on to those types of um, colours at the moment. With the, for example, the berries are known to have good antioxidant activity, and so hence um, the peru peru has been an example of one that we wanted to look at. Here's an example of it: beautiful purple colour throughout. Mm. And uh, it actually retains the colour after cooking, which is a good thing. So we're assuming that because of these brightly coloured compounds are still there, that they will still contribute to um, health benefits by eating them. Can we talk about the other samples that you've that you've bought here, right. um, Susha? Okay, so there were four um, Māori varieties that we looked at. There was the hua kāroro, which is a yellow-fleshed, yellow skin variety. Nice, sweet-tasting one. There was moi moi. Moi moi. Moi moi, yep. Or moi moi. I love moi these moi. words. Um, which has a purple, uh, pinky, yellowy, mottled-type skin and uh, creamy-type flesh, isn't it, Nick? Um, and the last one was Karu Parera. And this has a purpley skin and uh, white around the eyes, potato eyes, and uh, yellowy, whitish-type flesh. And so we looked at the variety of um, potatoes because of their colours and their uh, cooking um, properties. Are these Taiwa all related in terms of they sort of come from the same, do they share that common... So you're talking hakapapa. Well. (laughs) Um, I mean, they are, at the end of the day, this is a separate species. The peru peru. The tutaikuri. Um, And these are the same, but they are cultivars within a species. So you know how often plants have different coloured flowers. They're still the same family yes. of plants. Same thing. These are just right. they've 
sectioned out over years to become different varieties, but their parentage would all go back to the Andes to to some common varieties. But if you go over there, there's 3,000 varieties. So we only have our sort of 15 or 20, but they do, you know, um, the hakapapa is all originates back there, even for here, the same hakapapa, but this is a, a breakaway of that family, if you like. But these, the names that we give them, or the names that, that people have given them over time, generally reflect their properties. So this one that's just shown with a moimoi is really a good keeper, and the name is about it being able to be stored, you know, moimoi to sleep. It's um, recognised as being probably the better one to to store over for the longer time, you know, and it's that's its main attribute. Whereas this one, the huakaroro, that name is more visual, the karoro being the seagull, but quite a different texture and quite a different sort of um, use at the end of the day, probably. So it's a much more um, heavier texture and suited to boiling. This one, the karuparera, obviously that name is the visual, you know, that when you look at it and you see the eyes. Some people call this the kōwiniwini, the same difference, lots of windows. You know, so it's talking about these. Mm, so they're talking about the eyes on the potato. Mm. And this one for the tutaikuri, well, that's pretty obvious what that name says. But even for urenika, which is what the northern people call it, that's still a reference to the visual. Um, oh, the tutaikuri, I just clicked. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, Maniaputu call it rahonika, and up north is urenika. But, you know, so there's different um, names, but generally they all have the same sort of linguistic sort of properties behind it, you know, so it's, so you can recognise that next year simply by the name, you know, that would yeah. tell you this is the varieties, and that's, so there's lots of them, there's these other ones here as well, but these, we tend to use these four for most of the mahi because they each have unique sort of attributes, and that's the idea, they're, they're not all the same, they're all different colours, they have different sort of um, texture, if you like, um, so it gives a project like Zersh's one something to, to compare between the varieties because people tend to think Māori potatoes is just one yeah. potato and we say no, no, there's actually quite a few and this is this is the range of what what they are. So, yeah. mm. And all of them are good for eating? Of course they are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the potatoes at the end of the day. But, they, um, you know, as um, Māori and as Kiwis, it's probably, you know, it's still our, our major carbohydrate it's um the the diet is changing slowly in this country towards pastas and rice but that's more because of the influences from other um cultures. outside cultures and outside sort Sushi. of <laughs> foods you know but a kiwi will still potatoes are still primary sort of um on their plate so but i also think if you think 10 years ago whether you could buy maori potatoes in the shop and you couldn't so there's really a renaissance because now you can and a lot of that comes out of these projects just about raising the visibility and getting people more familiar and more um, adventurous around potatoes. You know, so not just buying a sack because they can, but buying them for their different uses. Yeah. Mm. So does that mean we, we may see Māori potatoes? I mean, at the moment in Wellington, I, I haven't seen Māori potatoes in supermarkets. Oh, you can. You can pack and save have got them at the moment, but um, they are there are some of the bigger sort of growers sort of supplying and it's only on a seasonal 
time and it's not available all the time. Right. But so you can, they're not cheap because they're not grown in the same volumes, but that's probably how it should be, you know, some respect for what goes into getting them to that stage. It means that, you know, it's not um it's not a big commercial venture. But they are, right. you know, certainly um the farmers markets you'll also find a lot of people selling them. But um we've certainly got them in the supermarkets here and in Hawke's Bay. So Zusha, can you share some of your findings with us? Um sure. Okay, I'll just um um so what my survey was basically was to see well how do people like to cook them and what are the popular ones that are eaten. Um at the moment what well, this information I have here is based on about um just over a hundred replies. And um for example the most commonly one eaten common commonly eaten Māori potatoes have been um the tutaikuri, huakaroro, moi moi, piripiru, um pafiro. Māori chief and Kariparira, so actually it's good that we chose those four to do a, um, a bit more survey on because they seem to be um, either commonly available or, or actually and also commonly eaten. Um, I say ask them, well, which of the ones that you've eaten are your favourite to eat? And um, most of those that have come back as the favourites have been again Tutaikiri, Piripiru, Moi Moi, the ones with the purple skin, some didn't know what the names were. But yeah. they said purple skinned ones, um, purple fleshed one, um, the one with the creamy yellow fish, which is m- most likely to be huakaroro, I'm thinking. But um, it was quite interesting to see actually which ones they do like to eat. Also, uh, let's go through. I had a look to see, um, part of my research has been to look for ways of, of making these healthier to eat. And so we found that by eating potatoes when they had cooled down or leaving them for a, a period mm. um, and then eating them, it was um, caused less of an increase in blood glucose. So for those that are diabetics, um, something um, like that is better for them because you don't want a, a big increase after you've eaten food to cause a, a large increase in blood sugars. So you want something that... Um, causes a, a, a low increase in blood sugars, or um, so is that low, like low GI. Yes. You're talking about the slow release of blood sugar. That kind of idea, yep. Mm. Um, and generally, potatoes are known to be a high GI food. Um, so, by cooling them down and eating them such as in a cold potato salad, might be a better way for a diabetic person to eat the potatoes rather than fresh out of the pot. So um, the idea was to milk, yeah. yeah. yeah the idea was to see, well, do people eat them cold? Would they want to eat them cold? Um, so I asked, well, out of those that you've eaten, which would you prefer to eat in a cold dish? And um, again, the replies certainly seem to come back, the one with the purple colour, the tutaikiri, the piripiri, um, other varieties that have that striking colour thing. And that seemed to be a, a general theme through many of them was that they liked that colour difference. So combining the the um, yellow-fleshed one, or huakaroro, with the purple-fleshed or purple-skinned one as a combination in a potato salad or or yeah. eating to give the visual, the visual as well as the taste um, impact. Um, 
Yes, um, I asked them what was their favourite way to eat them. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and yes, um, salt and butter, <laughs> boiled up, was pretty much the popular, most popular way to eat them. Kia ora, Nick Roscridge, no Teatiawa Ngati Pro, and Zusha Farimate, no Ngati Ranginui. Broadcasters Julian Wilcox and Bailey Mackey may be well known now, but back in 1993, there were schoolboys in the annual Māori speech competitions, Nā Manu Kōrero. They did well, getting first and second places in the speech and English category, Te Korimako. First up, Piripi Munro, the MC at the event. His hapu teitanga mate, with a future plan and hope to become the first Māori to go to the moon. <laughs> Secondly, once he has achieved going to the moon, he wants to have a very supportive and loving wife. He wants two children, a bright red car, and a dog named El Bundy. And also his achievements, his hope and his dream in this particular manu kōrero is to be able to learn quality excellence in life by being able to be part of this particular manu kōrero this year. His topic, actions speak louder than words. Form 6 student, from Turanga Nuiakiwa, Turanga Tangatarau, Turanga Ararau, Turanga Makaurau, Te Tairawhiti Nui Tonu, Kia Homa Te Paki Paki Mō, Bailey Mackey. Action, speak louder than words. The International Action Four. Hello. <laughs> the International Action Four. Cause I ride. <laughs> the International Action Four. Eh, I'd rather walk anyway. <laughs> and last but not least, the International Action Four. I've just signed the Treaty of Waitangi and I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Ever since the beginning of time, simple actions such as these have been used by people to make a point. We are generally remembered more in life for our actions and our achievements more than for what we have said. Talk is cheap. Anyone can talk about achieving, but it takes a determined and motivated person to get up there and achieve. I admire such Māori achievers as John Timu, Māori, and Mr. Universe, Don Rewata. <laughs> Did John Timu sit around all day, drinking a lion brown, smoking a windfield red, watching the soaps and talking about becoming an all black? No, he went out there and he became an all black. 
Sure, he had to climb a few manga, swim a few hours, but he got there in the end. And did Maui Portiki, Maui Tiki Tiki Atarama. Did he talk about fishing up the North Island? No, he went out with his teeth on his jawbone, drew blood from his own body, and pulled up the biggest whopper you ever saw. <laughs> Don Rewata, Mr. Universe, did he sit around all day talking about getting a body just like mine? <laughs> no, he went out there and he got it through hard work. Nothing comes easy in life. Set a goal, go for it. Don't sit around all day talking about it. And I believe the key to it all is motivation. Motivation is the pathway that leads us to take action on issues that concern us, such as our land and our oceans. Let me ask you a question. Do we really own our land? Do we really own our oceans? And do we really own our mana? The time has come to act and not talk. We can't sit around any longer waiting for other people to help us. Jim Bold is not going to help us. Bruce Richardson's not going to help us. And the Honourable Mr. Doug Kidd's not going to help us. They're too busy worried about what Uncle Winston's next move is. <laughs> we must help ourselves. Isn't the stripping away of our land, our oceans, and our mana enough incentive for us to act? Without these precious taonga, we are nothing. Together, we must get up, go out and grab back our land, and grab back our oceans, and grab back our mana. Not grab a chair, sit down and have a hui. <laughs> Too much hui, not enough action. Sure, some hui are fine, some hui are productive, but some hui, it's hui. And at the end of the day, not only have you achieved nothing, there's also a long line outside the toilets because of all the people. We are poor. We do have the highest unemployment rate. We do have the highest numbers of any race in jail. And we are the most underrepresented race. But we do have something special. And that something special is each other. And, and having each other is a firm foundation from where we can firmly stand as one and act. Actions do speak louder than words. Look at me. Bailey Anorumaki, here before you now. I won't be the one in jail. I won't be the one unemployed. And I won't be the one sitting around all day, drinking lion brown, smoking Winfield Red, and watching the soaps. I have already started. I am already on the way. I am acting out the success I will have. And I will be somebody. International Action Four. Hello.
the International Action Forum. Because they're right. The International Action Forum. I'd rather walk anyway. And last but not least, and more importantly, the Universal Action Forum togetherness. And only together we can make our actions speak louder than words. Noreira, tenna koto, tenna koto. Second place getter in this year's Korimaku contest, uh, Bailey Mackey of Gisborne Boys High School, and his kinaki or compliments supported, as uh, brought to, brought to you by the supporters who travel through from Gisborne to Whanganui. And the first placing was taken by a student of Teote College, Julian Wilcox. As the sun rose up from the easternmost tip of Aotearoa. Asendoran past Mount Hikurangi. So began the dawning of a new day. The beginning of this new year, 1993, a year important to us all, as Māori and Pākehā, young and old, male and female, but more important to the women of Aotearoa. 
Hence the topic of my speech, the suffrage movement, Manawahi. Aye, this is an important kaupapa to us all, because as most of us will know, 100 years ago, New Zealand was the first country to give women the right to vote. But, as all of us should know, for many years before 1893, New Zealand was run by male chauvinists who headed farms, families, businesses, and politics. It was traditionally thought that the woman's place was in the kitchen, over the sink, cooking or washing dishes, or even bearing children, preferably sons, for the father's sake. And so the attitude continued right up until the present day. Now some of us say that equality between the sexes began with this historic event in 1893, but to this I say no. To this I say call. Because does being given the right to vote ensure equality of any sort? Aye. As we, the people of Aotearoa, we must remember and go back to 1893. We must remember the fact that Māori women needed a special amendment act one month after the enfranchisement of Pākehā women to be given the right to vote. And, and a large group of women, given recognition for the establishment of this historic event, only two Māori names are mentioned as mentors for women's suffrage. We must also remember that even when given the right to vote, Māori women would seldom use that right because of the pressure applied from the society in which they live. Ladies and gentlemen, Rangatira of tomorrow. Do our Māori women do as the Whakatū Wahine slogan suggests by celebrating the past and challenging the future? Do they challenge a society which refuses to break down its barriers of racism and sexism? Do they celebrate the past in which they have suffered racism at the hands of the assimilation policies of successive Pākehā governments and sexism from both Māori and Pākehā males causing what is known as double oppression. Do they celebrate beside Pākehā women even though the real benefits of this enfranchisement never apply to them? Do they challenge a system which, through its manipulation, says that they have the highest rate of lung cancer in the world? Or do they challenge a nation, prejudiced as it may be, which says that they and the domestic purposes benefit walk hand in hand? Aotearoa Whanui, how do we expect our women to celebrate, let alone challenge what continues to be a blight 
on the quality development of our wahineko. It's a Māori. For the last few years, we as a race have become so embroiled in walking down the path of brotherhood and up the path of potama in the hope of reaching an Aumarama. We have become so embroiled in talking, fighting, arguing and signing deals between ourselves that we have forgotten our wahi. And all this frustration over land, fish and partnership with the Pākehā, we have forgotten the very backbone of our society, wahineko. That is why I am talking about the suffrage movement and mana wahine. That is why a male, a male named Julian Oi Petra Wanakate Wilcox, <laughs> tied to the Ngāpui, Ngātu Tūwaratoa and Charua tribes, is speaking on such a sensitive issue. Because is there any reason why in male eyes the work of Wahina Toa should not be remembered and recognised? Is there any reason why a student of Tertia College, 140 years old of male bastion and proud of male leadership and male mana, should not express this opinion to the Rangatira of tomorrow and this year commemorating all women of Aotearoa a year incidentally the same as the beginning of a co-educational Tauta College. Ladies and gentlemen, Tauri Māori, Tauri Pākehā, mea rātu iwi o te motunei. There is only one woman suffrage year, but every year is one for mana wahine. For every year we must remember the work and the wahine toa from which we all came. I see this as the challenge for wahine toa. But Aotearoa, the challenge will only become a reality if we release the power, the control, the hold that we have on the power that refuses to let our wahine toa realise their potential. Nerera, laiwe o te motu, no ngā haueta, urino, urino e tawhare, te nā koutou, te nā koutou, ko tēnei tatou mō ngā wahine, wakatū wahine, kia ora tātou kato.
Kia an archival recording from 1993 featuring Julia Mugox, Bailey Mackey and Peter B. Munro. If you want more information about today's Te Ahi Ka, you've got some different options. There's our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahi Ka. That's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. Then there's our Facebook whānau mā. Click like us and you'll get our weekly updates. Or you could sign up to our weekly newsletter where you get the lowdown on the show in advance of the broadcast. Time for today's proverbial saying, which you heard at the front of the programme. Anera and Nick Roskridge are no so a mushroom only lasts for a single day and that is a in recognition of something that's special to you is that not to let the, the opportunity slip by so as simple as it sounds he harori rangitahi the actual message behind that is to think about what's around you, think about those things that are growing and living and part of your world and don't let them slip by. So be we're mindful of the how special things can be. Kia ora. But yet, Koti Karangahu, Aitine Frewananga. So, um, Kiorano. Kua Taya no kite kapinga ate ahika. That's us for another week. Next week, the Catch a Fire on the Road Again album. And in two weeks, folks, it's our Anzac show. We'll be looking at the 28th Māori Battalion website and asking why is it Hane Manahi wasn't awarded the Victoria Cross after it was recommended following the Battle of Tokrona in 1941. He mihi tēnei ki ngā kai kōrero mō tēnei wiki. Atu i tērā ki ngā kai mahi i whakapaipai te hōtaka nei mārunga rorohiko. Ka mau te wehi. Mai te whānau a te ahi kā kia tātou katoa. Mauri ora tātou katoa.